All right. How many have got a barbecue planned on Tuesday? Let me see your hand here. All right. Would you pl- I, I didn't see many hands. I have a reason for this. Would you please write your name down and your address? Um, okay, good. Can you cook? Okay, all right. Well, give me, give me the address and the phone. We'll see what happens. Hey, before we jump into the message today, I, I want to take just a, a moment as a proud grandfather to show you a little picture here. Uh, my fourth grandchild was born on Friday morning, and that's my daughter Bethany in the middle, and uh, my first wife, Linnell, on the end. And my only one, by the way. Uh, But anyway, his name is uh, Wilson Cole Belk. Uh, I was shooting for John Henry Miller VI, but it didn't happen. But uh, I'm just teasing. He's a a sweet little guy, and I look forward to some fun days ahead. That song we sang, God Bless America, uh, it was written by a man named Irving Berlin, and he wrote it before World War I, and then he revised it at the beginning of World War II. Now, we can't imagine a world war in our day today. I mean, you know, we see wars in Ukraine and Russia, but we can't imagine what it was like in those days. Yet it was a song that was written as a prayer that embodied the prayer of the nation that God would help America because America, the world's superpower, was standing for freedom. And for people that were under communist rule or under dictator's rule, America was trying to help the world rid itself of the Mussolinis and the Hitlers. And gratefully, we were able to do that. Well, this is a 4th of July weekend. If you know me, I, I, my, my main job on a weekend is to teach you the Bible, do my best to teach the Bible to you. Uh, we spend lots of time, usually it's 15, 20 different scriptures on the course of a, of a weekend. But because it's the 4th of July, I want to interrupt this. And because Christians, how many know, we are, we are citizens of two kingdoms. We are citizens. These flags represent, uh, obviously, the red, white, and blue. These stripes represent the fact that there were 13 original colonies in America that founded the nation. Uh, the 50 stars represent the fact that there's 50 states. But this is the Christian flag. And it was introduced around 1897. Let me see if I can get it turned around here. It's got a red cross symbolizing the blood of Jesus Christ. The blue, some believe, symbolizes baptisms. Other believe symbolizes the faithfulness of God and our faithfulness to him. The white represents the purity, the purity first of Christ and then the life of purity that we're called to live. But you and I as Christians are members of We're citizens of two nations. We are citizens first of the kingdom of God and secondly of the United States of America. And it's not an either or, it's a both and. And I want to focus on our role as citizens in the United States today. Uh, What I'm going to do is we're going to celebrate the 4th of July. Uh, It was 1776. The 4th of July, uh, 13 American colonies basically decided they didn't want to live under the rule of the British Empire, and these brave men and women signed a declaration of independence that they would be free from Great Britain. They were the world's superpower at the time, and the most amazing thing happened. God brought freedom to the United States of America and let her become the greatest nation in the history of the world. Well, we're going to talk about it today. How many know America was not founded as a perfect nation, and how many know we're not perfect today? And there's no perfect nation in the world anywhere. I mean, we're a nation filled with flawed people, so we have our our flaws and all the things that go wrong. But God has blessed America. 
And I want to tell you why. Psalm 33, verse 12 says, Blessed, say it with me, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And it's that last phrase that I want to focus on, whose God is the Lord, about the history of the United States of America. What I want to show you today is our founding fathers built a nation on God and the Bible. Now, revisionist historians would say that that's not true. Uh, we're being taught today in our schools that have secularized. It's almost like our schools have taken a, 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 a piece of cloth and soap or scoured and have scoured God out of our history. Well, that's just not the way that it was supposed to be, and that's not the way that it was. And I want to bring that to you today. Uh, you could look even in our, our Capitol Rotunda, which is the big round dome on our Capitol. There's uh, at least four pictures there that have Christian, Christian semblance. Uh, this first one, uh, Pocahontas, I'm sure you've heard of her. She was the first uh, convert in the Commonwealth of Virginia. And uh, there's another one of the pilgrims. The pilgrims are depicted today as greedy white men who came over to kill Indians and steal gold. Well, let me tell you, that is just not true. What they're holding in their hands is the Geneva Bible. It was the, it was the, the English translation before the King James Bible was translated. And they came in search of religious freedom. Now, were there those that were, you know, searching for gold and doing crazy things? Absolutely. Just like there's people doing sinful, crazy things today. But the spirit of our founders was rooted in God. And that's what I'm going to show you today. Our second president, John Adams, made this statement. And he said, our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. Our constitution was made for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. And this is the main problem today. America is no longer as a whole a religious or biblically moral nation. We have abandoned our Christian heritage, and this is what I want to be able to show you today. This is the reason, the source of why our nation is in such trouble. So I've entitled it America's Christian Heritage. It's my seventh year to do this. Every 4th of July, I add a little bit. I try to make it a little more in tune with some cultural events of the day. And, uh, uh, but it's more than a history lesson. I, I hope it will be an inspiration to you who share, as I do, dual citizenship, that we will be salt and light in the world. The world is in darkness. It needs the light of Christ. Salt is a preservative. It, pre it prevents decay. Decay is the sinfulness of the world, and that's what we're to be. We're to be Christ's ambassadors. Um, if you were here last week, I had a pastor friend named Dan Fisher here, uh, and I decided to take a couple weeks to do a patriotic theme in our, in, a, in our church. But he was here last week, and basically he donned the robes of a 17th century or 18th century preacher, and he talked about how it was the Christian leaders in churches that were calling the people literally to stand for freedom in America. And, of course, he, showed, he taught you the history. You saw his gun and his musket and all that. Well, let me tell you, we're in just the same battle today, but we're not fighting it with muskets. We're fighting today a battle of ideas between God, biblical truth, and biblical freedom, and a secular socialism, communism, rule of man, which minimizes, it, it, it negates God, 
See, this is why communists hate God so much because God, the state wants to be worshipped as God and to take care of the people as God. But our battle is a battle of ideas. We don't fight it with muskets. We fight it today with truth, the truth of God's word. We fight it with love, which is the spirit in which we move as Christian people. Number three, we fight it with prayer, recognizing that it's a spiritual battle that we're fighting today. And lastly, we fight it with civic involvement which means that we vote, we run for office, we do those things to help bring sameness uh, to our nation. So uh, today, I want to impart a truth to you today, and it's about our founders, that they gave us a nation built on God and the Bible. And what we're going to do is we're going to first begin with something that will probably depress you a little bit, but I want to talk about the state of America, because sometimes we live with our heads in the sand. We don't watch, you know, portions of the news anymore because it's depressing. Um, you know, we hear about things going on we can't control. Uh, we feel like we're helpless. And, and, and if you live in a Christian world, most of your friends are Christian, and, and it's almost like we become unaware of the world that's out there. But there is a deeply hurting world. I was approached by a young man several weeks ago when Gay Pride Month started, and um, I made comments about it over a several-week period of time. But uh, he said, you know, one thing you forgot, Pastor, to talk about is you forgot to talk about the people that have been hurt by the LGBT++ world, those that have been abused. He said, uh, I was physically abused. My sisters were molested. You know, sexual grooming was taking place. And we forget some of these things if it's not directly a part of our world. So I want to make you aware of that. And then we're going to go into a little history. We're going to look at what our founders believed about God and the Bible and Christianity. Uh, We're going to talk about education, early education in America. Our national motto, in God we trust. Uh, You don't hear it much today, but it's our national motto. And then lastly, a call to action. There will be something that will provoke you not just to sit and endure what's going on, but how you and I can individually be a part of what's happening in America. How many know we we may not be able to change Washington or California, but how many know we can change Texarkana, USA? (laughs) Come on. How many know we, we, we can be a light in our city and we can see crime go down in Texarkana. We can see God exalted. We could see it as one of the most enviable places to live live in the United States of America because of really the presence of the Lord is in our midst. So let's jump into this today. First of all, we want to talk about spiritual darkness and how it's gained a foothold in America. Uh, We're going to talk about these first two things that have been in our face the last year. Uh, Just several years ago, we were talking a lot about gender confusion and almost in the blink of an eye, now it's being pushed upon Americans. Um, The Bible teaches very clearly God created us as male or female, but if I go on Facebook today, I'm told, Siri told me just this morning, I could find 58 different genders that I could choose from. Now, that may be a stretch, but that's the world that we live in. There was a biology professor at a Texas community college recently was fired And he said the reason for his firing is because that he said sex was determined by X and Y chromosomes. Most of my life, I've been raised in a world that said science, when it figures out the answer, that trumps everything. Well, guess what? Politics trumps this now because this is a godless idea that you can change your gender. How many know the starting place for happiness is accepting yourself as God created you to be? 
That's why we want to help people that are confused with their gender figure out who God made them to be. So this is going on in America. And again, I want to mention the Pride Month, and I want to mention how it ended in New York City. Uh, I have thought a great deal about this because we live in a world today that has taken on the uh, one of the attributes of communism, which is to divide people in groups. Uh, in, 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 in China, when Mao made China a communist nation, it was the poor against the rich. In America, the theme is it's the black against the white. That's our original national sin of slavery is perpetuated. They don't, it's, it, they don't want to, there's people that don't want to solve it. That they don't want people to get along. They want to perpetuate it to keep us divided. Well, the same thing I'm wrestling with, how I as a Christian pastor and leader and how we as Christians can recognize that God intended marriage to be between a man and a woman and how we might properly respond to the LGBT plus community. Uh, well, anyway, I, I saw this chant uh, on YouTube a number of times. Now, the video portion will be very quick because there's just lewdness in there. We couldn't, it was not appropriate for church, but I want you to listen for the saying, and then I'm going to elaborate. <laughs> We're queer, we're here, we're coming for your children. We're queer, we're here, we're coming for your children. We say, well, Pastor, that's New York City. That'll never be anywhere else. In Connecticut, it just happened. In the third grade, third graders were shown a video along this lines of gender, indoctrination, sexual grooming without the parent's knowledge. Uh, that's happening. And again, as I said, I, I've wrestled with how to address the issue. And I, I don't have a lot of time to develop it today. But here's what I've ended up with. I saw an original picture that we couldn't find, but this was basically it. And I'm going to tell you a little story. It was a group of drag queens. And under the picture, it said, there's room at the cross for you. Now, here's what I want to say. There's room at the cross for the adulterer. There's room at the cross for the fornicator. There's room at the cross for the pornographer. There's not some sexual sins that are worse than others. And I will not allow myself as a Christian to be a wall builder. I am a bridge builder. I want everyone to know and experience the love of God. And I want to tell you, as I've wrestled with this, something that I did. I heard that it was advertised that in Longview, just last weekend, last Saturday, there was supposed to be a drag queen parade. And uh, I told my wife, we took off last weekend. I try to do it about every six or seven weeks just to keep myself fresh. So we went down there uh, on uh, last Saturday night. And uh, I didn't see any drag queens. There were about 35 people that were there in support of, the, of, of a pride parade. Uh, we, we were the only people that I guess weren't a part of it that were there. There was no, you know, opposition signs. There were no TV stations. There was about 35 people. So we got our lawn chair, and we just went out there and sat amongst them. And uh, not, nobody would come up and talk to us, but we would reach out and extend a hand. And then they rallied and began their parade. Now, we didn't participate in the parade. How many know you can love somebody without participating or agreeing that their actions are right? 
So we did, what we did is we said, let's watch. So we got in the truck and we, we just, it was about 10 minutes long. So we just kind of watched and, and nothing happened. They just sweated a lot and got hot and they came back to the pavilion. And, uh, and then I sat in that truck and I thought, you know, I just drove an hour and a half here. I'm going to go talk to some people. So Linnell and I just mingled to the crowd and stuck our hand out to as many people as we could and de- just developed conversation. I didn't have a Christian shirt on. I didn't have a big Bible. I didn't say you're going to hell. I wanted them to know that Christian people are not haters and not bigots, but can love people in the name of Christ. And we just wanted to go and build a bridge. But this is happening across America. Whether you like it or not, your children are being exposed to it. It's something that's out there. Obviously, in America, the breakdown of the traditional family. Sadly, many of you know the pain of divorce. The statistic is over 50%. One in four children live in a home without a dad. And single moms have the hardest job in the world. Most of them that I know uh, are struggling to survive. Something has happened, a breakdown in our families. We've watched our government grow larger and larger. And it's almost as if the government wants to take the place of God. Uh, Thomas Paine, one of the founding fathers, says, The government is best which governs least. Government begins with self-government not an imposition of rules, but yet we've all been weaned towards this. If you're here today and took a COVID check, I did. I guess if the first one I took under was under Mr. Trump and I built my kids a playground. Well, guess what? You can get used to that. You can get used to living, but the government can never make you wealthy. It can only make all of us poor. Now, listen to this. That little money that you got, that little penance that they gave everybody, guess what it turned into? It turned into a $15 hamburger, fries, and a drink with the tip. See, that you cannot, that's, just, that's inflation. Government cannot make people wealthy, but we have collected this past few years more money in taxes than ever in the history of the nation, but we still have got to borrow trillions and trillions more. So this is going in the background. Who knows what that'll end up with? Uh, one of the, uh, and again, it, government, as it tries to govern more, takes over individual rights. If you're a pizza lover, how many love pizza? Well, you better not go to New York City and want a wood-fired pizza. Listen, that's my favorite kind of pizza when they cook it over a fire because they're trying to save the planet by getting rid of wood-fired pizzas. This is just what government does is it keeps taking and taking and taking. Uh, Now, listen, let me say this. I'm not an anti-government person. If you don't have government, you have anarchy. I am just for a godly limited government. I am grateful that our government provides social programs to help people that cannot help themselves, but the able-bodied need to work. Come on now. And we need to renew the spirit that have made America great. Um, Let me just keep going about America. And this is insane. Cities have been defunding the police. Now think about this. The politicians that call for defunding the police, crime is increasing on the streets, but they hire their own security forces. And the people are left to fend themselves on the street. We are rewriting history and tearing down statues. Now, we're not tearing them down today, but we were during the past election. That's the exact same thing Chairman Mao did when he took over China. If you can rewrite a nation's history, you can create it in your own thinking. And we see this happening around us, out-of-control debt. And this is one that deeply troubles me. We're moving backwards in race relations. 
Martin Luther King taught us that we're to treat people based on their content of their character, not the color of their skin. But the thing that seems to matter the most today is skin color. And we try to solve discriminating, uh, we just try to solve past discriminating by present day discriminating. I mean, it, we've, we've lost our minds. We're moving backwards. Uh, there's a drug epidemic. Violence is a way of life. Pornography, teen suicide, and many of our schools are failing. So what do I say all this? Something has happened in America. And listen, America has always, since the beginning, had ups, spiritual times, and downs. I do not want to present to you today an America that was perfect when everybody went to church. Because America has always had crooks and criminals and criminals. I mean, we've always had people that did wrong because we're sinners by our very nature. But something has happened in the lifetime that I've lived. I'm 66. Something has happened in the 1960s. I can remember when I was in the first grade, the principal would read the Bible every morning in public school and say a prayer for, for the day. The Supreme Court said in the 60s, no Ten Commandments on the schools. One of them happened to be, thou shalt not murder. So we've replaced God's command, teaching kids that there is a God, that you shall not murder, and you will be held accountable for your actions We've removed that and we've replaced them with metal detectors, come on now, and a police force. Who has ever heard of having a, needing a police force on a campus? Come on now. But it's just become normal today. And if I'm a parent, I want police on my campus because it's filled with crazies. But this is America. Something has happened. The Supreme Court, no Ten Commandments, no Bible reading, no manger scenes in public building. And now, in the last decade or so, religious freedom is under attack. The Christians who were the good guys are now the bad guys. Do you know why? Because a Bible-believing Christian is the only person that's standing against the agenda of secular America. And I'm not trying to force people. I don't Listen, you don't force people to become a Christian. God has given us all a choice. We can choose it or reject it. But you know what? The people that are standing on the right side of the great moral issues of our day, be they abortion, marriage, gender confusion, and just keep going down the line, living within your means, are those that believe the Bible is the source of truth. And that's the root of the problem in America today. George Barna revealed this to us. George Barna, and by the way, all, all that I'm saying today, uh, I've got a well-noted uh, bibliography. It has about 50 entries in it, and you can, go, you can find it on our notes, on our app. It's on the bottom of it, and you can go and check these things. But uh, uh, George Barna, in a, in a study done in uh, comparing 1991 to 1921, that's 30 years, 1991, 1921, he said back in 91, 30 years ago, 86% of uh, U.S. adults held a biblical view of God. Belief in the Bible as the accurate word of God. 30 years ago, 70% of America, now 41%. And I bet you that's gone even lower. And now we have a category of what's called the don'ts. They don't believe or even know if God exists. It was 12% in 2011. It was 34%. Ten years later. So obviously, this is what you do in a commun or any culture, really. Any idea you want to get across, you get it in the heads of the kids. 
And once you take over education and once you throw God, you replace God with the Big Bang and the evolution. You come from monkeys and there is no God and there are no consequences for your life. You can live the way you want to. This is, this is what's created the mess in America. You say, well, preacher, is there a solution or are you just going to depress me today? No, there is a solution. And it's a lesson from ancient Israel. Jeremiah chapter 6, and I want you to remember this verse. It is profound. And he's speaking to the nation Israel. He said, are they ashamed of their disgusting actions? Not a bit. If I would have continued to show you that video of New York City, you'd have just been shocked is all I can say to you. Are they ashamed? No. They don't even know how to blush. This is what the Lord says. Now, this is my, I believe, a prophetic message to America. Stop at the crossroads and look around. Stop just a minute and look at the nation we've created. We've created a nation where teachers, I'm told, have such little discipline in the classroom, many are afraid for their lives. I'm told by a local police chief, it's hard to get people that want to be on the police force anymore because of that whole defund the police movement that came across. We've created this culture. Drug abuse, fentanyl is pouring across our borders. A work ethic is not instilled in people. Somebody else is supposed to take care of me. There is no God. There are no consequences. Stop at the crossroads and look around at what you've created. Teenage pregnancy has skyrocketed. Sexual transmitted diseases skyrocketing. Abortion before Roe versus Wade was overturned over a million a year and now it's still happening it's just happening around the block stop at the crossroads and look around look in the mirror and ask yourself are you personally happier statistics uh, studies have shown that the younger people the millennials and younger in America today are more depressed or more discouraged they don't want to get out of bed in the morning their suicide rate is increased over the years we have made a mess of this place we need to stop and look where we are and then here's the solution ask for the old godly ways and walk in it come on ask for the ways of God and return to the ways of God Return to the ways of God in your school. Return to the ways of God in your marriage. Return to the ways of God as a husband, as a wife. Return to the ways of God as a citizen in America. Listen, friends, do right and not do wrong. Well, that's the solution. Travel its path and you'll find rest for your souls because that's what everybody's looking for. Everybody's looking for peace. Everybody's looking for happiness. Everybody wants a life of purpose and meaning. And my friend, it's found in the kingdom of God, the way made by Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Give him a big hand today. All right, let's jump into some, some history right now. Let's go back in time and look first at what our founders believed about the Bible in Jesus Christ. And what I'm going to tell you is 180 degrees opposite of what you hear taught in secular education and across the secular uh, uh, mantra of today. Um, here we go. The founders, you, 56 people signed the declaration. Every one of them had an, a religious affiliation. In other words, they were a part of some church. Most of them were Christians. Four of them were preachers. 29 people had Bible or seminary degrees. Listen to what John Quincy Adams, our sixth president, said. Now, now listen to this. No book in the world 
deserves to be so unceasingly studied and so profoundly meditated upon as the Bible. Patrick Henry, founding father, the Bible is a book worth more than all other books that were printed. Uh, Andrew Jackson, seventh president, the Bible is the rock upon which our republic rests. In other words, our nation rests on the Bible. Um, the, the, uh, uh, here's another one. Let me see. Oh, John Jay, the first chief Supreme Court justice. He was appointed by George Washington. Here's what he said. Um, the Bible is the best of all books. It's the Word of God. It teaches us how to be happy in this world and the next. So five years after the Declaration, think this now, 1781, there's a man named Robert Aiken. He said, let's get Bibles in schools. So he asked Congress for permission. And Congress not only allowed the Bibles to be in schools, they put a stamp of endorsement. It says the United States in Congress recommends this Bible to the inhabitants of the United States. If you were to say that in the halls of Congress today, it would fill the emergency rooms with people having a heart attack. Uh, okay, this is, we're going to have a little fun with this one. Imagine you live in Delaware, 1776. Now, I've never been to Delaware. I assume it's, a, it's just a blue liberal state today. But in 1776... Here's what you had to say if you want to run for mayor, city council, or any state or public office. Now, I want you to do this with me. Raise your right hand, and you're running for office. Come on now. Please, please raise your right hand. If you're watching online, please raise your right hand. All right, and say this. I, John Miller. No, no, say your name. I, I John Miller, do profess faith in God. This is your mayor. The Father, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son... And the Holy Ghost, one God blessed forevermore, I do acknowledge the Holy Scriptures, the Old and New Testament, to be given by divine inspiration. Yes, sir. Oh, preacher, you just don't understand. America was founded by deists, and some of them were religious, but they were just greedy white men that just wanted to come and kill all the Indians with their diseases and steal all their gold. You've been lied to, friend. Were there greedy people? Yes. Are there some greedy ones today? Yes. But my friends, we've been lied to. And this is one of the most, this next quote is one of the most profound ones to think about in the message because it brings the secular and spiritual history together. Newsweek magazine, 1982. I don't even know if they exist anymore, but here's what they said. Historians are discovering that the Bible, perhaps even more than the Constitution, is our founding document. Let's go back. Let's talk a little bit about their thoughts about Jesus Christ. Here's just a few samples of two men that signed the declaration. Samuel Adams, he said, I rely on the merits of Jesus Christ for the pardon of all my sins. I don't think he's the one that makes the beer, was he? Well, anyway, I bet they don't know that. Um, he, he said, I, I rely on the merits of Jesus for the pardon of my sins. You're thinking, how does the preacher know about Samuel Adams' beer? I watch TV, okay? You got me distracted. 
Jesus, here's what John Witherspoon said. Jesus Christ is the only Savior of sinners. If you're not reconciled to God through Jesus, you'll forever perish. Our Supreme Court Justice, again, John Jay, Providence or God has given, now listen to this, the head of the Supreme Court, think of John Roberts doing this. God has given to our people the choice of rulers. It is the duty as well as the privilege and interest of our Christian nation to select and prefer Christians for their rulers. Here's the tragedy of that. 50, only 50% 50 of Christians, they say, are registered to vote. And of those that are registered, only 25 to 28% vote. So it's like we have no voice. But John Jay, well, I'm going to keep going there. And I don't want to make you feel bad because next year is a presidential election year. I hate that it's coming. I already get three or four texts a day asking for money and surveys and opinions and all that. We're going to have to endure it. But listen, we need to have a voice. And we may not be able to have a voice that really matters, you know, in Washington or somewhere, but we can have a voice right here in Texarkana, USA, and in Falcon, and Genoa, and in Redwater. The mayors we elect, the school board uh, people that we elect, the, the, the people that are the district attorneys, we can have an effect right here in Texarkana, USA, if we will look for Christian candidates and then get behind them. Come on now. It'll make Texarkana, USA a better place to live. Well, okay. Before I move on, you might say, okay, preacher, I'm listening to you. I know all that's in the Bible, but now we've become modern and progressive. What exactly did all that Bible stuff do? Okay? Well, I'll tell you. Glad you asked. Number one, it ended slavery. See, we've been taught another lie. If you'll research, you will find that it was Christians that led the abolitionist movement, not only here in America, but also in Europe. It was Christians that stopped. It was Great Britain that imposed slavery on the American colonies. They were the ones that were wanting the money to flow back. They were the ones that would not allow the colonists to, to, to not have slavery. Now, did some of our founding fathers have slaves? Yes. Did they get rid of them? Yes. What does that mean? The Constitution worked because all men are created equal in the sight of God. It doesn't matter about the color of our skin. Listen. We live in a sinful world, friends, filled with sinful people, and bad things have happened, but our Constitution is working towards making all people equal, not giving certain groups of people special rights. Come on, how I many know we all have the same civil rights? It's just extra rights that people want. So that was one thing that came out of it. Secondly, uh, America becoming the world's superpower because of the Industrial Revolution and historians will tell you the impetus behind it was what's called the Protestant work ethic. And the Protestant was work ethic was don't just settle for a COVID uh, handout. Go make something out of your life. Go be willing to work hard, get an education, do something. Take individual responsibility for your life and enjoy the freedom and prosperity that it brings. That's what our founders gave us. Our schools in America one time led the world in education. Last stat I read, we're now number somewhere between 17 and 19 down in the world. It's a tragedy. Uh, there were no mass school shootings that I can find. When I went to school, uh, uh, the parking lot was filled with trucks, and they all had gun racks in them. They had shotguns for duck hunting, and they had 30 alt sixes for deer hunting. And nobody ever took it into the school classroom. Nobody ever shot anybody. 
But we've replaced that, friends, today with what we've got today. Uh, now we, 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 have, we prefer police departments on campus. I'm suggesting to you, friends, returning to the Bible as the source of right and wrong can fix what's broken in America. Come on, give the Lord a good, a good hand today. Let's shift gears here. Christianity in schools in America. I want you to give me a couple extra minutes today. Um, uh, Christianity in schools in America. Let me show you a picture of what's called the New England Primer or Primer and leave this picture up just a minute. Uh, how many were taught to pray this way? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Where do you think that, that came from? It came from the book that taught kids how to read. And, whoa. Here's how you learned your ABCs. In Adam's fall, we sin all. Thy life to men, God's book to attend. And I, I like number F. The idle fool is whipped at school. <laughs> Maybe if we had a little more of that, that might help a little bit. So what's the point? When I'm getting an education, I'm learning not only Bible quote, I don't like the word stories because it sounds like make-believe. We learn biblical facts. We learn God's view of morality and right and wrong. And that lasted for 150 years. But I can remember, I, I, I didn't want, I'm, I'm not old enough to have been taught the New England Primer. People began to say, we don't want God in our classrooms. So we had Dick and Jane readers. How many remember Dick and Jane readers? Dick and Jane were moral people. They took the culture and the traditions, but they just didn't teach the kids about God and accountability and the Ten Commandments. And then we had Heather has two mommies. So whatever you teach the younger children, you teach the young child that there is no God, that we came from a big bang and some educated atheists uh, 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 we're going to believe them that there was a big bang or the universe was self-existing and we evolved from uh, single-cell organisms and then we became apes over millions or billions of years. And if you teach children that, my friends, this is how we end up in the mess we're in today. Uh, uh, now, here's a tragedy. Uh, not only when, when, when we shifted the education, test scores began to drop. And instead of Addressing the problem, we changed the test, and then we made, gave everyone a medal, everyone a trophy to take away a sense of individualism and, and accomplishment. CNS News reports, and this was a couple years ago, 65% of eighth graders were not proficient in reading, public schools. 65%, 67% not proficient in math. If you live in one of the bigger inner cities, God help you. If you live in Detroit and you send your kids to school, 5% know how to read at a grade level. Math, 7%. And you wonder why there's such violence and frustrations. Have you been seeing the mobs of teenagers in Chicago just pillaging and destroying? Well, they're just doing what they're, 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 was modeled to them to do, and they have no other hope in life. And the government gives you a penance just to live. And again, I am not anti-government. Let me say it again. I am pro-government. I am just pro-limited government. And a government that puts the responsibility for caring for yourself on your own shoulders. Because the government cannot make us all rich. 
The government can make us all equally poor. When we, this word today that we hear all the time, equality, they have equality in Cuba and Venezuela. They have equality because they have no freedom. They're all equally poor. And if you want a perfect example of this, look at Venezuela. Venezuela was the most prosperous nation in South America at one time when they were built on freedom and what we call capitalism. Uh, uh, but then when they shifted to communism, you couldn't even buy food in the stores anymore. Something changes when the people cease to have the self-initiative and responsibility to govern themselves. Come on, I'm preaching a little better now than you're amening. How about colleges in America, universities? 106 out of the first 108 were founded upon Christian principles. Let me give you one example that will shock you. If, if you were to ask, ask today and say, what are the most prestigious universities in America today? What would you say? Harvard. You might add Yale. You might add Stanford and several other specialty schools. But probably the first one people would say was Harvard. You know what Harvard had... Um, uh, when they were founded, what was called the rules and precepts of Harvard. So every person, if you went to school there, would have to sign this. This was the second rule of Harvard. It said, let every student be plainly instructed. The main end of his life and studies is to know God and Jesus Christ which is eternal life, the only foundation of all sound knowledge and learning. You try to bring a Bible on the Harvard campus today. They don't call them Bible believers. They call them conservatives, and it's a miracle if they come out alive. There was a professor in the Washington Times in 2016 said there was a Harvard law professor, and he called for the liberals there to begin treating Christians like Nazis. This is what happens when this comes into the public system. If there's anyone we should listen to when it comes to our public schools, it should be Dr. Benjamin Rush. He signed the Declaration of Independence, but he founded public schools. And listen to what he said. The Bible should be read in our schools. Can you say that with me? The Bible should be read in our schools in preference to all other books because it contains the greatest portion of knowledge which is calculated to produce private and public happiness. That's the guy that started the public school system. All right, let's move on to our national motto, In God We Trust. Uh, it's own your money, if you, if you have money anymore. Most of us just have plastic. Well, you will one day. One day there's going to be this old dude called the Antichrist, and he's going to want to put his initials on your forehead or on your hand. Getting rid of money is a big mistake. But anyway, it says in God we trust, which is our national motto. Where did that come from? Well, the man, Francis Scott Key, he watched the, 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 the War of 1812. You remember the, the bombardment Fort McHenry, the American flag still flying. So he writes in verse 4, Praise the power that made and preserved us as a nation. Conquer we must, our cause is just. This be our motto. In God be our trust. But then it wasn't until uh, 1864 that uh, uh, we started putting it on, on, on our coins. 1957, it was on currency. It was adopted by Congress in 1956. 
Now, I've just told you three things, 1900s in the 1950s that happened. God on, uh, God, a national motto adopted by Congress in God We Trust, paper money is stamped, the Pledge of Allegiance added the words under God. And you know why America did that in the 1950s? Is to distinguish ourselves from godless communism. You remember, that's the whole era, Russia, Cold War, World War, communism pitted against free nations, and they, they wanted to distinguish themselves, and that's not that long ago. Well, I'm going to close with this. America has changed. There's no magic pill that we can give Americans. You can't force. Even if I had the power, I wouldn't try to force people to become Christians. Constantine, in the year A.D., along about 300, he was a Roman emperor. He Christianized the Roman Empire. Well, nobody can make another person a Christian. You can force people to, you know, forced integration. I remember in the 1960s, I lived in Mississippi. It was pretty interesting how forced integration worked at that time and busing and all that kind of stuff. But you can force people to do things, but you can't change the human heart. Only God can change the human heart. But I want to give you some, some hope and some, something practical that you can do. I want to suggest there's three Bible heroes that we can learn a quick lesson from. I want to teach you something from Paul, something from Daniel, and something from Jonah. It'll be very short, but listen to it. Paul taught us to stand up for your rights and religious freedom as an American citizen. Where do you get that, Pastor? Acts 22 Paul has been uh, arrested. They stretch him out with whips. And Paul said, is it lawful for you to flog a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned? And instantly they let him go. What did he do? He appealed to the laws of the land. You know what the first uh, amendment to the Constitution, the Bill of Rights is? The first one. It says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion called the Establishment Clause, and for some secular crazy reason, they stop right there. And that's where they justify separation of church and state. But this is the second part. Congress shall make no law prohibiting the free exercise of your religion. And this is what America has been doing for several decades now. And I am thrilled to tell you that there was that this past um, Supreme Court session just came out a couple days ago. And I do not like the fact that they say they're liberals and conservatives and we've tilted right. We've not tilted right. We've just tilted towards some more biblical principles and foundational principles as a nation. It is not Democrat and Republican. Come on. It is pro-God or anti-God. Don't, don't ask me if I'm a Democrat or Republican or Libertarian or Green Party. I am a Christocrat, if you want to call me something. Call me a Christocrat. But there was, and this was so exciting when I read it this week. There was a, if you remember, the post office has started working seven days a week so they can make some more money delivering for Amazon on Saturdays. Well, there was a Christian brother. I forgot his name. But he said, man, I'm not working on Saturday. Saturday is our Sunday. Sunday is the Lord's day. It's a day of rest, and it's a day that I worship. And they said, okay, you're fired. He got a Christian law firm, and they're out there, buddy, and they'll help you with these things. He got a Christian law firm, went all the way to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court looked down at the post office and said, hire that old boy back. 
Supreme Court said he has freedom not to work on the day of his or the day of that he's to worship God. And religious freedom just took a step upward. Why? Because he stood on the Bill of Rights and the freedom of religion. Somebody say praise the Lord. Here's a here's a second one. Be like Daniel. Do what God says is right, even if it's unpopular. Now, of course, you remember Daniel. He was, he was in exile. I guess it was the Assyrians, and they had a monarch that was there, but God had promoted this young you know, Israelite. He believed in God, and, and he was in a high position of power, but everybody else hated him. The king loved him. So they got the king to make up this law that basically said if you pray to any other god or any, any other god other than the king, you're going to be killed. You're going to be thrown in the den of lions. And listen to what Daniel did. Now think about that. Before I read it, how, how, many, how many believe we still need the Second Amendment? Okay? All right, you believe that strongly, and, and, you know, you've seen the bumper stickers, you know, about taking my guns and all that. You feel strongly. Well, what if the government said, if you have a Bible, you're going to jail? And I don't mean one with color TV. If you, if you own a Bible, you're going to get thrown in the lion's den. We're going to jail. Well, Listen. Well, you know, you'd go in the lion's den because Daniel in verse, chapter six, verse seven, uh, he said this, uh, when Daniel went home, he prayed three times a day, just as he's always done. And you know what they did? They caught him and they told the king and in sorrow, the king threw him in the lion's den. And the lions just went. And then the next morning they fished Daniel out of there and they threw all the other gangsters in there. And this time the lions jumped up and ate them all. So what is my point? If you and I have the courage to stand for God, we just might see God intervene and do a miracle. God is looking for courageous men and courageous women who will do what's right, even if it's not popular, even if people aren't for it, even if it's going against the current. God can take the person that can be used by him, and he can change a nation. Let me give you a last one, and I'm done. Be like Jonah Speak the truth in love in hopes of a spiritual awakening. Now, you, you, you remember, of course, Jonah was not, <laughs> Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. You remember? Uh, he didn't want to go because the Assyrians, where Nineveh was, were going to one day judge Israel. And he didn't want Israel's enemies to get, to, as, as we'd call, saved or right with God. There's 120,000 people in Nineveh, and the Bible says they don't know their left hand from their right. But finally, you know the story, God got his attention, used the whale, spits him out on land, and Jonah only says eight words. In 40 days, Nineveh will be overthrown. He didn't say anything about God, Bible, prophets, nothing. He just said these words, and the Holy Spirit took those words, and he pierced the hearts of the people and all of a sudden, 120,000 people from the lowest to the highest get on their knees, ask God to forgive them, and God hears the prayer from heaven and gives the nation another chance. So what am I saying in this? You don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to go to Bible school. Just let the Holy Spirit use you to share your testimony. Share a Bible verse. Share some truth in the midst of the error in the world. And God just might change people today just like he did in Jonah's day if we'll just open our mouths. Come on, somebody say, praise the Lord. So let me wrap it up for you today. Again, 
we can do something about what's broken in America. If we start believing in this Christian flag and following Jesus with all our heart, if we start being faithful to God and living lives of purity, and then if we will be like Paul and stand up for our religious rights if they're ever challenged, if you and I will be not only like Paul but like Daniel, do what's right even if it's a price to pay, and lastly, if we'll be like Jonah, just have the courage to open our mouths, it's no telling what God may do. There could be another spiritual awakening in America, and God could well give us another chance. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. He's worthy, worthy of our praise.